0: Hi, I'm Joe, welcome to a new series starting today on the 9320 podcast, aptly called No History, a series dedicated to the wonderful, glorious, topsy-turvy history belonging to a fine entity known as Manchester City Football Club. It's a subject very close to my heart, always has been, always will be, Um, and I have to start this first ever episode with a little diatribe, uh, just in relation to... How I feel our history is somewhat disregarded, besmirched, whatever other terms you want to think of. I think when you look at the history of our football club, even prior to the glorious 15 plus years we've just had, it's a history that rivals, for me, naturally I'm biased, any other football club in world football. Only at Manchester City do you have a club that won the FA Cup with a German ex-prisoner of war with a broken neck in neck. Only at City do you have a team that won the league in 1937, only to be immediately relegated the following season. A team that, from the jaws of victory, would often snatch defeat. (laughs) Or even, still, a a storied history with great success and highs, such as the like that we're going to basically cover today, as best as we can, relating to the late 60s and early 70s. But even before that, you can go back all the way to the 30s, when City set the all-time record at Main Road for, at an attended game outside of Wembley. The list goes on and on. And joining me for this first episode, I'm delighted to say, is Mr Howard Hocking, who has been doing his homework, I believe, from what he's been hmm. telling me offline. Howard, how are you doing? Uh, fine, thanks. I, it's a different world to
1: when I was 18, when I used to swap for exams and... <laughs> Anything I learnt, swatting stayed in there for a week or so that it needed to for the exams. Yeah. Anything I learn now just goes straight out the other side, to be honest. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been I've been reading stuff. Uh shout out to Gary James as always for his brilliant his you know, book on the history of City. All his yeah, fascinating. Uh, and the internet of course and a couple of friends I've been speaking to as well. So and and well done in your diatribe as well. I I should say the the drooling imbeciles that talk about history don't. It, basically, even MK Dons have a history. Uh, of course they do. Of course, these they do. imbeciles don't know the meaning of simple words. I think that they're talking about success, of course, not history. And, and even on that front, City, yeah, obviously, might not have the biggest role of a yeah honour role, but obviously not the smallest either. So it's all pointless conjecture. So.
0: I think a point that, that's always lost, um, and a lot of City fans don't realise this at says of the magnitude on, on the success from the City as a club. When City won the League Cup in 1976, and Gary James, if you're listening, I'm sure you can correct me if, if I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that, that left City as third or fourth most successful English club at that point. Uh, in English football history, now we know what came after uh, with a certain gentleman with a, an odd hairstyle um, taking the club through the ringer, and we significantly fell down that list. But this that doesn't define the club's history, nor does any any particular period. I think what what I like about City so much is you're talking about a club that in 1999 won the playoff final, and in 2023 won the Champions League final to complete a treble. And whilst that's so unique, for me, it comes down to this. If you've supported Manchester City, say, since, you know, the early, you, you've been a match-going fan, for example, since the 80s, you've literally seen everything you could possibly imagine to see in a football club. And I'm not mm-hmm. sure that there's many other clubs who can who can lay claim to that um, description.
1: Well, I mean, there so, was a period, period, really, where there was... Rarely a just a mid-table league season. It yeah. was like it was <laughs> it was relegation and relegation, promotion, promotion, relegation, promo- you know it, it was just crazy. There was something was happening all the time. Something you know that n- not just averageness. It was all or nothing. And yeah, I mean it's just it is a crazy story. It really is a crazy story, packed into. I thought I mean thought yeah. Talking about 40 year period, yeah, loads yeah. can happen in that time, but I like, are you right, really? Yeah, it's, I will say this I don't think that much has happened to another club, but with the caveat, it doesn't matter, it's not a competition. And anyone no. who does mention, oh, we've won more trophies than you, well, that says more about them, really, doesn't it, and why they're supporting their football club than it does about it's the person the they're older. telling that to. Yeah, I am not it's in competition right now as a fan to see us overtake other clubs on. Lists or other stuff yeah. like that. I've never even given that a single minute's thought. So. But absolutely. that aside, yeah, when you look through that forty years, I mean, you could write a hundred books on it, couldn't you?
0: Exactly, exactly. It's it's absolutely fantastic, and I've always felt very privileged to support City. I think it's a club with a very unique feel and and history, and I'm not comparing it to other clubs because how could you? We, we don't know what the experience is to support another club, but to me just to touch and before we move on to our subject today you made a point about City in the 90s and and early 2000s being up and down and and I've always felt that's why City fans took the Stuart Pearce era so hard because (laughs) when we had that period of mediocrity where we were predictable in many ways I don't I think City fans despite the agony they went through would prefer having something to to pin your hopes on and go through and, and the unexpected and the unknown rather than than just that mediocrity, and I think that some city up as a club in a way, there's always something going on. Um, mm. so yeah, Except for um,
1: in pace when there was literally nothing going on, nothing going
0: on, <laughs> nothing going on. <laughs> not at my oh, end no. of the ground
1: anyway. So, no, well, I don't think no it was mind. a goal for either side, uh, for about three or four months. So, yeah, oh well. just insane, just distant, insane. yeah, distant. But we didn't get relegated, which was actually kind of important for everything that followed. So, and very typical. I don't lay in stupid as much as others do for that reason alone. That blindly tedious mediocrity, at least, involved keeping us up, and you know everything that followed was just the sweeter for it. So.
0: Indeed, and it's just so typical City that you see City sides with the likes of King Cladsey, Quinn, Rossler, George Ware, Paolo, one chop get relegated. But a team that can't <laughs> score a goal at home from New Year's Day onwards manages to stay up. But I digress. Um, today's subject is a one that's very close to certainly City fans of a certain vintage. Uh, and it's one that's close to my heart because... I was obviously going to school and growing up during the period in question we just discussed i.e. the 90s and 2000s when City were up and down like a yo-yo and I went through a lot of agony uh, as a City fan in school because obviously our our rivals over in uh, Trafford were having quite the purple patch you could say um, coinciding with our worst ever patch and I would be routinely told by my grandfather um, and my dad who caught the back end of this era that you know it's not always been this way and there's been some of the finest teams English football has seen uh, don the, the sky blue of Manchester City uh, and to start this series that we've aptly named No History um, it's I think it's fair to say the greatest period in the club's history prior to the modern day um, beginning in 1965 when an ailing Manchester City took a plunge on um, former England Everton and Arsenal captain Joe Mercer. Now, Joe accepted the job, great name by the way, uh, on the caveat (laughs) that he could bring in essentially a young dynamic coach who I believe, again Gary if you're listening, correct me, uh, he had met through um, a number of of coaching courses. And that was a young man who was at Plymouth at the time and had been at West Ham as a player and and an apprentice, Malcolm Allison. Uh, And I won't spend too much time on these two, because these two could very much literally have their own um, episode. But to set the scene prior to the appointment of of the two men in question, City had had very much been probably the lowest point of the history in terms of attendances. Uh, They'd won the FA Cup in '56, as we all know, with Bert Troutman, um, and, and finished relatively decently in the league. I think a couple of top six finishes before being relegated in 63 and despite the fact that in that time we'd seen the likes of Dennis Law come in and and, and some exciting periods, um, the relegation in 63 hit the club hard. Um, United were also in, in, in a very bad spell having the Munich air disaster and I think football was just a bit of a sour taste in, in the city's mouth at the time. and. City took the plunge on Joe Mercer really because he'd he'd had the Aston Villa job and had to step down on health grounds. Um, Now, he'd done a fine job uh, in management up to that date at the clubs he'd been at and um, City, a club ailing in the second tier really, a bit rudderless, suffering the lowest ever attendances, managed to persuade him to come in and as I pointed out, he wanted a young dynamic coach with him which is where Malcolm Allison came in. Now, without turning this too much into a ramble, where City were, is that they had a number of exciting young local talent coming through, such as Mike Doyle, Tommy Booth, uh, obviously Joe Corrigan was in the ranks, uh, a fine player with a left foot, Neil Young, but it was lacking that bit of of source, as Micah Richards would say. So in 1965, the first player... Uh, of our trilogy that we'll be discussing today or Holy Trinity even I should say was the arrival of one Mike Summerby Um, now he was signed from Swindon for £35,000 and essentially supplemented a really talented young team that was flying up the second division under the tutelage of of Mercer and Allison. and I think it's fair to say Howard has gone on to be one of the most important both players and figures in Manchester City history. Um, Obviously still plays an important role at the club today as an ambassador. He was on the pitch at the weekend against Arsenal in the Charity Shield. Um, And just to bring you in, I was always told Somerby was very much someone who almost represented the club the most out of the three with his heart on his sleeve and the Manchester City cause, and wiping his nose with the the corner flag at Old Trafford in front of the Stretford end, etc. But a real dynamic um, forward who obviously broke into the, the England World Cup winning team later in the 60s. What is your kind of... Obviously, it's difficult for us to say your memories because we didn't watch them. Yeah. But, but what 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 were the stories that you recall being told of Summerby and and him as the first arrival of our three?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, just to start off with the three as a whole, we're talking about three very very different people, aren't we? So uh, indeed, very different. And I think just before getting to the summer things, yeah, you know, I asked a friend of mine, why are these three grouped together more than anyone else because I think someone on Twitter replied to us, didn't they, that uh, maybe a fourth name should be put in there Uh, and he said, well, they were the best, they were the superstars in the side despite all the huge talent and the great team that City had at that time and they were the internationals as well even though when you look at the international appearances you might say they could have played more. Uh, but injuries and all sorts of things uh, are involved there. So, yeah, we're going to talk about three very different people, aren't we? In the same way that Mercer and Allison were very different people. Yeah, uh, and they can, Indeed. Yeah, and, yeah, he. I think he had been playing. Yeah, I wouldn't know much about his Swindon career. Uh, he had been playing as a forward, I think, not if for Swindon or if not for City for a bit, but, of course, everyone will remember him for where he would settle down as a player, which is, uh, and I do chuckle, considering going on Twitter today and the absolute uh, the uh, hysteria of a city not buying a right winger. Uh, that's exactly why he was so popular. He was just a brilliant out-and-out right winger who would get down the right wing, crosses in, and, yeah, worked hard. And, uh, as you said, he had real character as well. So all those things, yeah, he might act the fool on a football pitch, but he was professional with it. So, uh, uh, you know, when I spoke to my friend about this, John, if he is listening, I don't know if he does, uh, he was a player who played with a smile on his face as well. So you can understand just those sort of positions. Obviously, football fans love someone tearing down a wing, uh, or did then, do now. And the style he had as a footballer, he was an exciting player, and the fact that he would play with that smile on his face, but be utterly professional about it, just he, it was obvious. You know, his skill level plus his personality and character would make him a fan favourite, and he also uh, had a bit of needle in him. So, uh, if there was going to be any phys- physicality in the game, he'd uh, he'd seek it out rather than wait for it to happen to him. So, yeah, I think we signed. I can't remember. There was another player. That Mercer Allison signed at about the same time when he came in. Who, okay. you know, obviously wasn't a success, but for Mike Summerbee, it was just like instant. Uh, took to it and was a success in his team and obviously a fan favourite pretty quickly. Thanks for listening to the first fifteen minutes of the show. To listen to the full podcast and all our contents, including reviews, previews, analysis, quizzes and much more. Go to 9320.com dot com to sign up now or simply click the link in the description. So what are you waiting for? Go to 9320.com now for the best, most passionate, impartial coverage of Manchester City and beyond.